you know, the most I ever had was maybe a five-year plan. For me, it was, you know, I'm going to do my best at where I'm at, and then we'll see where it takes me. And it's taken me on a journey that you know you just mentioned. Like, who, if you had told me I'd be living where I'm living and working where I'm working, you know, even 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 five six years ago, there's no way I would have said this. And so my advice is just to. to Listening to Stability, the podcast hosted by Hassan Ashraf. So my name is uh, Dr. Rob Riddell, uh, and I am one of two flight surgeons or uh, uh, aerospace physicians, if you will, at uh, the Canadian Space Agency in uh, in, in Saint Hubert, Quebec. Thanks for having me, Hassan. Yeah, of course. Thank you for being on here. Uh, I actually never knew what a flight surgeon was, but we'll get that to we'll get that to later. <laughs> Uh, as a kid growing up, what did you do is aspire to be? We all have dreams and hopes. What was yours? I would say the one that has endured the most was to be a doctor. Uh, I would say it was always in the background, not always my primary goal while I was going through school, but it was certainly always in the background. It's the one thing that, uh, that I continue to, if all things being equal, I would make a decision that would help me uh, uh, be a physician one day just like a regular doctor or did you have any kind of like specialty you wanted to be when you were a kid? I didn't have any kind of specialty. I don't think I had a significant preconceived notion except when I got to medical school, I realized it was my family physician. So that's what I went, when I thought of being a physician, that's what I thought of. And so, uh, and, and in the end, that's what I ended up doing. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, that, that's, that was my, uh, my notion of what a what a physician was. Didn't you have the fear of like, oh, school? That's too much work. There's just so much, so much school involved. I don't think so. I uh, and, and as I'll, I'll I'll probably tell you in a moment here, I did not take the easy route for that. But no, I wasn't concerned about school. Uh, to me, it was a challenge, and I was up for the challenge. I enjoyed challenges, um, um, and so no, no, that that was not something I thought I saw as, as daunting, if you will. So you ended up attending the Royal Military College, uh, Canadian Co- uh, Military College of Canada, right? That's what, correct. What, what, how do you think of just doing that? Like, why so that? It, and and this is this goes back to what I was just saying. So, uh, so I actually went to McMaster University for one year. I didn't get into Royal Military College. Oh, okay. Year. So I went to McMaster for a year. I took engineering at McMaster, and I uh, reapplied to the Royal Military College. And for me, it was just I, I wanted the full experience. And if uh, I don't know how much you know about Royal Military College, but everything. Here's a really interesting story. You know, when I when you just told me that, I right after high school, in high school, when I was 18, I applied for the Royal Military College, and I didn't get in my first year. (laughs) I did not get in my first year. It destroyed me. I I was absolutely destroyed. So I'm doing engineering. But yeah, please go on. So you were doing engineering. Okay, so you did engineering as well. Yeah. So so I, you know, for me it was. uh, I had in my mind, I had locked in my mind what RMC was going to be. And for me, you know, as much as I liked going to McMaster for the year, I still felt like I, I, I wanted something more. And so yeah. the four pillars of RMC, as you know, then second language training, uh, physical fitness, uh, military and academics. And you have to have a solid handle on all four of those in order to receive your, your degree from yeah. RMC. So I wanted that. 
So I, how was your, okay, so we were talking before we started about the experience of your first year. What was your first year at McMaster? Like McMaster is known for its academic prowess, right? In Canada, yeah. it's known as one of the best universities, especially its engineering program. What was that one year like for you there? Uh, it was a phenomenal year. I mean, it was like you had mentioned just before we got started here. It was, uh, you know, it was, wow, like this completely different world. You know, the first real shot at independence, living on your own. Yeah. Uh, loved the degree program. I did engineering as my, uh, uh, my first year engineering yeah. at, uh, at McMaster. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I soaked it up and got as much out of it as I yeah. could uh, in, in, in as many aspects. Although my focus when I went there was, was, was on school. Like I was playing hockey before I got to McMaster yeah. and only, and, and I didn't actually play hockey at McMaster. Uh, I just wanted to focus on academics for that. First so, year. As a, so as a person who also didn't get in his first year of Royal Military College, which I am reapplying actually. Every, good for you. I think about it every day because I want that experience, right? Those four things, like be, having a second language, especially if I want to be a politician in the future, having the ability to speak French is such a big asset in any Absolutely. different thing, right? And so I want to know, how was that second time applying when you went to rewrite the aptitude test and all that? What was that experience like for you? You know, the experience itself, I don't look back on with any kind of, uh, uh, you know, positive or negative. It was just yeah. something I had to do, uh, which is another theme for me. It was just, yeah. okay, well, if I, if I want to do that, I'm just going to have to reapply again. And I reapplied from, I, I think, a little more of a position of, of strength because I had I was able to demonstrate to them you know, I'm, I'm at McMaster University. It is a solid, uh, it's got a solid reputation for engineering. I'm doing well. Uh, you know, I'm continuing with everything else that I, that I had to offer before. So let's give it another shot. You know. So what part of the process did you not get past when you applied the first time? Uh, they don't really, they didn't really specify yeah. to me. It was just a matter of, you know, were you competitive or not? Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of what happened. And, and to be honest with you, they, they, they had an emphasis on their hockey program uh, the second time I applied. Okay. And so that probably helped me a bit too, Great. is that I was a hockey player prior to that. But as you probably know, they, you know, it's, it's not a university where they would say, oh, he's a hockey player, bring him in no matter what. You still have to meet all the other uh, requirements. So, the, day, yeah. the day I went to go apply, I was sitting there. I was nervous as hell, right? I'm a kid who took AP classes. Like, I'm like, oh, this aptitude test is going to be like, I'm going to flow through it, whatever, right? <laughs> But that confidence killed me. But the guy sitting beside me, he came from the U.S. Like he was living in the U.S. playing hockey. He's a junior hockey player. And he's like, I'm going there to play hockey and join the military. I'm like, I'm like, wow, this guy, he's going to get in hockey. He didn't get in with me. We're both, we're the only two that didn't get the competitive enough mark. And we're like, well, they're like, come back again in a few months and apply. And then coronavirus happened. And then. Yeah. We're here. Um, yeah, so well, good luck if you do apply again. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, okay. So you got your engineering degree from uh, the Royal Military, Royal Military College. Can you explain that experience? How was like that going through there? That was super intense. Actually, I, I it was more intense than medical school as far as uh, um, uh, academics goes. So, you know, uh, I was playing hockey six days a week. Um, and so that was primarily my athletics. You have to take... Uh, uh, a French class a day as part of that. And, and of course, there's other things on weekends and sometimes nights mm -hmm. uh, from the military perspective that you need to be involved in and must attend. So it was the, the full picture. But academically, just to give you an idea, in my third year, I had 10 exams at Christmas time. 
it was super intense. And so like, you know, in some cases, two, two exams a day on some days. And we were there, I think, two to three days after the second last class left for Christmas break. My class was still there. Just I think there was like 20, 24 of us uh, left. So it was super intense. Uh, yeah, but, so, but, I, but I, I enjoyed it. I, mean, I, had a, I had a really good group yeah. that I, I went through school with. So the military is known for its com- camaraderie, right? How is that? Like you're, you guys are a group of engineers trying to get through the same kind of thing, right? How is that like That's for right. you? Well, and I think, you know, the, one, of the, one of the things that I valued before RMC, and I had, knew, I, I had known about this before I joined from, from, from somebody that I, uh, that I spoke to quite a bit about uh, the whole experience, is that it's those difficulties that I spoke to you about, those challenges that, that drive people together. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, outstanding friendships, uh, you know, the hockey team, like I said, we were with each other six days a week, uh, sometimes more traveling all over the place. Uh, and then, and then having to still do all the same military, uh, uh, milestones or achieve the same military milestones, same second language milestones and, and, and academics as everybody else. So it was, uh, uh, yeah, some fantastic and enduring friendships. Uh, you know, pretty much every province we go to, there's somebody, somebody we can reach out to and say hi to we haven't seen for now too many years. Right. Yeah. So after, how long was your bachelor's degree at RMC? So it was four years at RMC. So I, I, I just missed, uh, <laughs> I had got, I had had a few credits uh, yeah. extended over, but I was short a couple. And so I had to redo my first year, which I was okay with because that first, that cohort, that group that I started with, I was very happy to continue and just, and to get the full four years out of, out of RMC. So, uh, but I, so I did four. So you were able to complete your engineering degree with all that stuff within four years. Is that mandatory? You have to finish it in four years or? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. If you don't, if you miss any aspect of it. And so, and and unfortunately there were some, uh, some, uh, some people who for, for whatever reason missed one of those pillars and ended up either staying for the summer or staying for another year. Wow. That's yeah. for or for a kid that just goes to a regular university for engineer uh, engineering. It seems super difficult to just graduate in four years because it's just like because it's not yeah. there because they don't have that they don't have the design planned out for you to graduate in four years. It's for you to graduate in five or six years, which is yeah. ridiculous. So four years. Then uh, did you have to uh, be a military officer for uh, after you graduate? Yeah, so the program that I was in was a regular officer training program, or right. the ROTP. ROTP. So we owed five years afterwards, five years of obligatory service, um, uh, in order to uh, to pay back your school, if you will. Right. So and you yeah. did that. I did that. And where were you stationed? And how was that? Uh, I was stationed in uh, Edmonton. So I was <laughs> the only uh, the only use my degree program had was I could identify H two O. Uh, because uh, basically I, I was an infantry officer. Right. And so I was wet a lot and gold a lot. And that's yeah. about, uh, so, so my, my degree program, it, there's, there's some career paths, there's some trades, if you will, that yeah. need to line up with your degree program. So if you want to be an engineering officer, we yeah. need to have engineering. Uh, for infantry, you, there was no set uh, program. So I was, uh, I was an infantry officer. Actually. So, so I, I, Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry was my uh, regiment uh, in Edmonton. So your degree had nothing to do with what you were thinking for. Wow. <laughs> so did you ever use your degree for anything during that time? No. Engineering degree? Oh, wow. Like I said, H2O. Guys, this is H2O. Don't <laughs> boots. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> 
that was that was the extent of it yeah okay so obviously obviously there's more to education than yeah. just that final product you know there, there's the there's the whole process of learning and showing right. that you can learn and yeah I, I don't need to get into that with you but uh, uh but that that's you know that was a big part of it okay so after your five years what do you do so after your five years you've completed it what's the next step like so i so i stayed on interestingly enough you know i and and for me I accepted the five years of obligatory service as part of the RMC experience. Right. And so, but I didn't really think much past that. Uh, and so when I reached my five years, uh, I was actually uh, in the special forces at that time. So I had tried out for joint task force two, yeah. which is Canada's counterterrorism unit. And I, I made it. And so I was there when my five years were up. Wow. Uh, and so I stayed on and signed another contract. Wow. So at this at this point, how old how old are you by the time you're done with the military? What by the time? What do you mean? You're, when the by the time you by the time you were done with the with my obligatory service? Yeah, yeah. So I would have been. Oh yeah, make me do math on a podcast here. <laughs> this is great. So well, I finished in '97 uh, plus five. Uh, so so 1982, and so I would have been uh, just. I would have been 29 years old when I was finished uh, my. My service, yeah. Wow, twenty nine. So okay, after you're done your obligatory stories, now you're now you're thinking of getting a biochemistry degree. You well, that was different, yeah. So that so that's a whole different uh, train of thought. So uh, while I was with the special forces, yeah. um, uh, and in particular, I was I was in Afghanistan, and uh, uh, shortly after nine eleven, right. uh, and I started thinking about next steps because for me, I had reached the pinnacle of where I wanted to be in the military. Right. And so I, and I knew that, Hey, if, if I want to go after being a doctor, now's the time to start thinking about that. And so, um, I applied, I didn't even get an interview in my first, first round. Dang. I went to speak to uh, one of the universities to their, their, uh, their advisory team on, uh, I think it was the associate Dean of admissions or something at the time. Yeah. And I said, Hey, can you go over my, my application with me? What do you think? And so I was missing a couple of, of prerequisites because it was uh, chemical engineering at RMC. There was no, not even an option to take a biology class. I never took biology yeah. or biology lab. Uh, and because, well, for me, I mean, don't get me wrong. I had classmates who, you know, who had superb marks. I was yeah. not one of those guys. With everything we had going on, my marks were not that competitive. Yeah. And so she said, if you want, if you want to be more competitive, go back to school. So. Yeah. Uh, I won't tell you what I was thinking in my mind when she told me that, but it was not positive. I was like, yeah, like not a chance. But uh, I, I, I had a good conversation with uh, with a really good friend uh, yeah. about six months after that. And he, he was basically, he's a cut and dry guy. And he's like, so you want to be a doctor? Yeah. And you have to go back to school? Yeah. He's like, so what's the decision? I don't get it. Yeah. And so, and that's what I did. So I, I left, uh, I left special forces yeah. I left the military as a, as a regular uh, officer, and then I uh, transitioned to the reserves and went went to school on my own time. So now the question is, you did the complete bachelor's degree for biochemistry? Well, no, because I had, I had, had a credits. bunch of yeah, I had a lot of credits. So yeah. I did basically, uh, you know, uh, just the way that the application lines up. So I started my application to med school part of the way th after. So I, I needed that year under my belt. Yeah. So. So either I can finish a full year and then sit and hope I get in, or I can do an insurance year while I'm waiting to find out. And so that's what I did. So I did a, a three-year degree program in two years. 
um, and, and that last year ended up not being necessary, but I'm, I'm still glad I did it. So you ended up doing two years and then you got into uh, a Dalhousie University for... Uh, That's correct. For medical. How is that? Experience? Well, first of all, you were doing a bachelor's degree in your 30s. How was that experience? Were you... At, <laughs> Were you were you doing it online or were you going to class? No, it was uh, it was face to face. It was a culture shock for sure. I mean, I had been uh, I had been in the military since uh, you know well when I went back to school. So it would have been uh, I mean, yeah, a, a lot, lot of years. Of, a, lot of a lot of years. Yeah. Uh, so I was in school for a lot of years. I don't want to. I probably already let the cat out of the bag with how old I was or yeah. how old I am now. But uh, so I had been in the military for a lot of years and, you know, it's, it's, it's a different world. I wouldn't say we're, I wouldn't say necessarily we're in a fishbowl, but when you go back to something like an academic institution, it's certainly a new culture, uh, a new experience. So well, that, that was probably the biggest part, but well, not only going that. back and studying, I, I, I had, uh, you know, I was focused, mm -hmm. Uh, and I studied my butt off. And, uh, and so from that perspective, it wasn't actually that wasn't that hard. Right. Yeah. Well, the hardest part is I think is, is the application. The, the thing, the thing I, I'm thinking is like when you're doing your bio labs and the guy next to you is that like only 18 years old and you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when I was Absolutely. 18. I think that, yeah. I think those are the biggest shocks possible because then you are yeah. really feeling Okay. Uh, so what and, I don't and I don't tell people, you know, I didn't go around telling people that I was in the special forces and, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So they're just like, check out this guy. <laughs> What's up with this guy? Well, yeah, a little late. Yeah. But um, how was the application process for the medical program for you? As you said, it was See, the hardest part. Yeah, it's the hardest part because I think, uh, you know, and I give, you know, Obviously, I did it, so I'm a bit biased, but I give credit to people who, who apply, whether they get in or not, because you really are sticking your neck out there. People pick through your life, and they use the assessment criteria that, that you know, a board of directors or, or, or a working group sits down and decides upon. And so it's really kind of, uh, it's really impersonal. And so, you know, you, you pour your life onto a piece of paper and hope yeah. for the best. And people can pick your life apart and, right. uh, you know, you stick your neck out there and it might get lopped off. You know, you know, you don't, you don't, uh, there's no guarantee. So I found right. that part of the process interesting. Um, you know, and, and I think earlier on in the process, you know, there was uh, um, one university in particular during the first round that basically, you know, disregarded all my military service, everything I had, I'd been overseas a couple of times, you know, received accommodations for things and, you know, my score on leadership for them was like a fail. And you're like, uh, <laughs> I don't know if your criteria yeah. is actually, you know, it, it, it's, it's intended for people that haven't done other things outside right. of the university. And so there was no flexibility there. So yeah, all that to say it, it that it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. It's challenging. It's, it's, yeah. It, it's hard. It's they're attacking your personal life and you, and you know, like, you know who you are, and then they right. take you and then they flip you backwards. You're like, you're not who you think yeah. you are. And yeah, uh, what you did doesn't matter to us at that much. And that was the part that was like, Oof, yeah. That hurts. So, uh, yeah. So what was the medical program all you dreamed of? It was fantastic. Yeah. Loved it. I mean, I, you know, and, and I went through the military. Exactly. So just to give you an idea, like, you know, I'm getting paid like I did at RMC, but I'm getting yeah. paid to go and learn stuff that I've been waiting to learn. It felt like my yeah. whole life. And so I enjoyed every minute of it. I mean, like that. who's got a better job than I do right now? Exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, um, working towards being a physician, fantastic school, great people, 
uh, great faculty. Yeah. So after finishing your medical degree, you ended up going and working at uh, University of Alberta as a residency? So I went to, yeah, so I did the a rural family medicine residency in Red Deer, Alberta, which is part of, uh, it's called, the program's called Rural Alberta North. Right. Its sister program is Rural Alberta South, which is through the University of Calgary, and, and, and North was through the University of Alberta. Okay, so is this the time when uh, the astronaut campaign started up? So the astronaut cam- campaign actually came up first during, so there was a 2009 call that I yeah. had considered applying to yeah. but uh, as i just told you i worked so hard to get into medical school that i'm like i just can't stop now right right uh and and, and i knew there was a chance i would have had to so i was like yeah no, I, so so i had thought about it then i was interested then uh but uh so i was uh i had gone through uh finished medical school i had been working in ottawa uh, uh and then i actually so I worked in Ottawa for two years uh, in the in our National Defense Headquarters yeah. clinic, uh, and then uh, I went back to um, to our special forces as a physician there. And that's when the astronaut uh, campaign came up. So, the, and that's when you. So, what for a person who dreamed of becoming a doctor? How does a doctor go from dreaming to become an astronaut? Where where yeah, does that come so, from? So you know. First of all, it's just, it's the operational sense. So it's, it's, uh, I loved being on operations. I loved uh, being out there and doing what you had trained to do in extremely challenging environments. So I I thrived in that environment and I wanted more of that. Uh, And so that was the kind of, that was the start of it. And let's face it, who isn't, you know, on the surface, at least somewhat interested in it. And so so I started reading the application and it was, for me, it was just, it was like, how can I not apply? It was, you know, asking if I had worked in an operational environment. Well, yeah, yeah several. Have you ever been worked in extreme environments? Well, yeah, several. Have you ever worked in a remote environment? Yeah. Yes. Are you an engineer? Yes. Are you a doctor? Yeah. <laughs> so it was just like, okay, you know, yeah. this seems to really fit. Yeah. Not, you know, and I think everybody, although they're interested, really doesn't know what the life of an astronaut is. So I went into it with that. It's like, this sounds very interesting, but I, and, 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 you know, and I'm getting ahead of us potentially here too, but I really valued the way the Canadian Space Agency did it because it was a two-way street. They, they knew it, they, they treated it like it was a job interview both ways. Right. So I was trying to prove to them who I was, but they were also trying to answer questions and say, this is what it's really like as an astronaut, mm-hmm. which I really valued because I went into it partially blind, which I think most people would. So let's start at the application process. So how does that process begin? So it's it's a paper application. Yeah. So it's just filling out like just like how you apply for RMC, like you're just filling out whatever marks and just papers, and you hand that in and you send them off. Yeah, and there were some there were some uh, essay type questions. I would say Uh, there was some checkbox stuff, you know, you know, and, and and reference letters and things, just like a regular job interview. Uh, so that was part of it, and then there was also uh, um, some public service testing because it's a it's a public service. Uh, so um, after job. that paper application, what happens? What's the next? Pro- what's the next? So they start. They start. Uh, they they do a uh, an analysis of the files, and then they 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 take it down to. I think the first. I might get this wrong now. Uh, I think it's maybe two hundred people. 
I think they take it down to 200 people and they invite 200 people to do, uh, and it's a combination of, I think, uh, uh, and this is all online, but it's uh, the public service um, uh, exam is part of it and the, um, uh, and then a medical. That's, yeah. Those are the first. So those are the two parts and through those two parts, then they take it down to, I believe it was, it was a hundred. And that's the profiles. Those are the profiles on CSA, right? They're the people that's that right. show up on the website. Well, and, and and then there's another, I think, after they see those initial 100, and again, I might be getting the order mixed up on that on, on, on those first two, the, the people that actually showed up for the first one, 72 people. That's the first okay. round of profiles you guys would have seen. Um, yeah. The round of 72. So how, so, you know, you send your paper application, right? You send it. What are your hopes? Do you think you'll get a call? Do you like what are you thinking? No, no. not at all. No, I, 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 I thought that was the last I'd hear from them. To be honest, with you. And the, so like, when yeah, you heard this is a good shot, yeah, when you heard back from them, what was like? What were you thinking? Like you're like, wow, like I might actually have a chance, or uh, yeah. And and each time, it, you know, there's a little bit of disbelief, yeah. and you you set yourself up and you prepare yourself. Uh, you know, fun, funny backstory here is, you know, I got married when I started medical school. Uh, we had three kids during medical school, including twins, uh, like two, like within a week after our final exams, which was not great timing, but, uh, and, and my, so my wife had moved from, you know, Toronto to Ottawa to Halifax. Uh, and then she moved to Red Deer, Alberta, which was not initially in the, in the books. Right. And, uh, and then back to Ottawa. And so for me, I'm like, I'm not going to drag you through anything else. So I'm not going to apply for, to be an astronaut. It's like, I'm, I'm not going to do it. You know, I, I've, I've followed my dreams. I'm here. I can't ask you to do anything anymore. She started the application process for me. Wow. Yeah. So she said, no, you have to do this. And I'm like, okay, all right. You know, and I, so obviously I had her buy. And so to go back to your question, what happened each time you got a, a, a letter or something yeah. saying it is like, what, <laughs> what did you get me into? <laughs> I can't believe this. I was like, it's your fault too. So that, that's, that's, that's the funny background dialogue that went on, but sure, sure. Certainly disbelief was part of it. So, uh, after, after you, you get into top 72, uh, is that when you guys, after your aptitude tests, what's the next ex- tests after that? I know it's on the public site, but what were your experiences yeah, so, with it? So, so the actual uh, the actual specifics of each of the testing sites is not something we can talk about. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, but it's you know it, it, it's a it's a series of obviously uh, you know, aptitude and, yeah. and and physical. They 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 test you. Uh, it, it's it's pretty elaborate. I'll put it to you that way. Yeah. So uh, uh, it's 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 challenging in all realms. Right. So what was that? What's the, I'm more interested about the experience. Like they're putting you in pressure yeah. cooker experiences. Like Absolutely. I know you, I know you've been in the special forces and I know you went through RMC, but compared to all that, was the astronaut program a lot harder than you thought it would be? I, I, it was pleasantly difficult as I thought it should have been. Yeah. Yeah. So it was challenging uh, and, uh, just as challenging as I thought it would be, but I've kind of repeated myself there, but, yeah. uh, so it was, it, it, and it was a fantastic experience. Uh, it really was in, in, in almost every way. It was just fantastic. And, and like I said to you before, the, the two way street, the ability to ask questions and be critical about what you're getting yourself into for me was hugely important because I've got three kids at home. Yeah. I've got my wife and I, if, if I'm, if I'm going to take them, on this journey, I better be, it better be the right fit. 
right. uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a better work and we better know what we're getting ourselves into. So that so, was, for me, was just as much part of it. You made the top 17. You made the last selections. What is that nerve-wracking experience like? It was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was phenomenal. So I was actually part of the final eight. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, so I was actually part of the final eight. So we had the final 17, which was... Yeah. Uh, um, uh, I guess, uh, you know, the, there's a significant amount of media coverage for that, but I made yeah. it to the final interviews. Um, and so it was, yeah, like I said, it was incredible. It you're, was absolutely surreal. You're inches away. You're inches yeah. away from yeah. going on missions. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I, I, I started to say to my friends, not that I would ever admit that I watched yeah. the bachelor or the bachelorette, but you know, on the bachelorette when they're like, I didn't want to fall in love, but then they yeah, fell in love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the way I felt. I'm like, no, this is ridiculous. I, there's no way I'm going to make it. And then you get closer and you're like, oh my God, I might actually make this. And then you just want it so much more. And not just for the sake of, yeah. for the sake of it, like I want to yeah. win. It was like, I can really see myself doing this. Right. And, or, or frankly, I would have pulled myself out. Like if it wasn't really something that I like, see myself doing, I wouldn't have continued because of what was at stake for me personally right. and professionally. And I think many others had the same feeling that we went through. So, so yeah, it was, man, it was so surreal. It was and so the, surreal. And the top eight included the two people that did get elected. How yes. was, was that just phenomenal for you just to see them yes. actually get it? And yeah. And when you get to, a, and when you get to a point and, and quite frankly, we got to that point pretty early yeah. on where you look around the room and you're like, I, I would be proud for any of them. Like yeah. I'm okay with that guy or girl beating me. Right. I'm okay with that guy or girl uh, getting selected because they were fantastic Canadians. And uh, uh, so, you know, you, you hoped it was you, but uh, yeah. It happens. But yeah. do, you, do you think you'd ever reapply? No, I don't think so, no. no. Too, yeah, you've been through it already I, once. I, I, yeah, and, and you know, things happen for a reason. Uh, and uh, I believe our things unfold as they should is another way of looking at that. But uh, I, uh, uh, I'm very happy where I am now. And uh I've had a ton of opportunities that have come up as a result of that, including my current job. Uh, and so, yeah, I wouldn't give those things up. It's fantastic. For a person who has been in this environment of just continuously doing a different profession, you're going from here to here. Like you, you became an engineer, you served in the military, you became a doctor, and then you tried for the, something the greatest human beings on earth attempt to do, go to space or do project that. What advice would you give to kids who don't know what they want to do for a person who's done everything for kids that don't know what they want to do? And I love that question though, because I started chemical engineering because I liked chemical engineering, right? Because I wanted to do chemical engineering and I knew I would, I didn't, you know, I, I, it's hard, it's hard to think of these things in retrospect as to, you know, what my 19 year old self was, was, was truly thinking. But in my mind at the time, it was like, why do something, you know, Doing uh, uh, biology would have set me at, at, at another university would have set me up better for uh, for, for for being a physician later on or getting right. into medical school. But I wanted something different, and so I wanted to go after that. And so for me, you know, the most I ever had was maybe a five-year plan. For me, it was, you know, I'm going to do my best at where I'm at, and then we'll see where it takes me. And it's taken me on a journey that you know you just mentioned. Like, if you had told me I'd be living where I'm living and working where I'm working, you know, even even five six years ago, there's no way I would have said this. And so my advice is just to to uh, to follow your interests, uh, 
certainly if you have a dream, I would never say don't follow that dream, but just be prepared and be available for other options. Uh, like I said, we, we were, and you know, uh, when I, I was getting close to the, uh, the potential end of my military career, my wife and I were thinking, we're moving out West, we're going to the mountains, I'll have a private practice. Instead, I got a call from the space agency. I moved out East and I'm working in the public service, but it, it's, it's a tremendous opportunity. And so if you're not available for those types of opportunities, and if you don't keep your eyes open and your options open, I think you'll just miss them. So, so yeah. I want to know what a flight surgeon is. I'm still, sure. what is a flight yeah. surgeon? <laughs> like, so it's a historic, and I don't know the specific history of it, so to be honest with you, but flight surgeon is, you know, we do not do surgery during flight. Oh. Uh, it's a, no. when, you, when I think flight surgeon, I'm thinking of like if someone has a heart attack on a plane and they're like, is there a doctor on board? And you're like, yes, yes I'm a flight surgeon. This is what I'm supposed to so, so the, 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 what flight surgeons study is, we study the effects of human flight on uh, our, our flight on the body of aviation yeah. on the body oh. uh, and, and, and vice versa. So okay. it's important from a preemptive perspective. We know that there's certain medical conditions out there that we need to be extremely careful of or not allow people to either fly or be pilots because we know the effects of flight uh, on the body and that could cause adverse uh, conditions or, 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 or worsening of a condition. So, so it's more that, of a research position? No, no, no. It's it's very clinical because we okay. do see people that are both wanting to be uh, uh, in the aviation world, so they want to be uh, air crew, we would call it. Yeah. Uh, so that's an important aspect. And then we see air crew on a regular basis. Right. Make sure they stay healthy. We continue to screen them. It's it's a it's a it's a subset of occupational medicine. Okay. Uh, so we know as much as we can about the occupation of being an air crew, whether it be a pilot or. Yeah. Uh, uh, or an engineer or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, we know as much as we can about that, including the physiologic and, and clinical, That's... clinically important aspects so that we can better treat them, keep them flying as long as possible. And then of course, select people who would be most uh, successful Definitely. and the safest to do those. That's, That's pretty neat. That is pretty neat. And so right now at the space agency, I've got basically, <laughs> I've got four, uh, four patients uh, and they are, you know, the, okay. the most medically screened fittest yeah. people, uh, medically fittest people in the world. In the world? So, uh, oh my God. So uh, that, that, that's part of my job. Yeah. Uh, but there's other aspects, including like you'd mentioned, research and development. So you've achieved a lot of things in your life. What's the next step? Do you have any retirement? Is that it? Do you see that in your future? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll go back to what I said before. We'll we'll see where it goes. You know, I'm having fun right now, and yeah. uh, I'm gonna I, I, I keep my options open. Uh, we've got one initiative right now, which uh, you know, uh, um, it, it basically looks at we are moving. We're going to the the moon and Mars. We know that, and, and our prime minister announced Canada is going to the moon. Uh, so, as one of the things that flight surgeons do is, all right, look, we got to start thinking about these yeah. trips. Right now, we're 400 kilometers above the Earth on, on the ISS. Not we, but our astronauts. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to go to the moon, which is 400,000 kilometers away. And then, uh, and then you know, millions and millions of kilometers away to yeah. go to Mars. And that creates all kinds of additional healthcare challenges. So uh, it be, because of how remote astronauts are on these yeah. missions. So in Canada... We've got about 20% of our population living in remote geographic regions. Yeah. Uh, and, th and Canadians are remote just by the, the mere fact that they are aging and or they have mobility restrictions. So why not work with 
those people and the people that are responsible for their healthcare on these deep space solutions. Yeah. We're going to be so like Wally. Been, what's that? It's going to be like Wally. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> Uh, but uh, we're working together with uh, with Canadians uh, for Canadians uh, on on remote healthcare ideas. So it's been extremely rewarding. It's it's uh, it's, the, it's the majority of my job right now. Damn, that's an interesting like for a person who hasn't started his career yet. Like I'm a mechanical engineer, aerospace mechanical engineering student. Cool. So for me, aerospace is like everything, right? Yeah. The thing is that reality. When I continue to think about it every night, I'm like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be an aerospace engineer. I'm going to end up being like a farmer out in like BC or something like picking up blueberries. Sometimes those, I was like, wow, there goes four, five years of my life. But, um, but it's, but, but, but I, I think that's, that's, that's valid, but that that could be, and and this doesn't have to be, you know, and I think like, you know, going back to your question, what would you tell people who don't know what they want to do yet? Just keep going. It, 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 it'll, it'll present itself. In some way, shape, or form, and it doesn't have to be what specifically you're working on now. Do you have any last words of like cool something cool that you've done in your life, and that <laughs> to this day you still remember? Uh, hmm. Well, certainly, I mean, serving serving with uh, uh, in the in the Canadian Armed Forces has been uh, there's there's a ton of great stories there. Yeah. I would say that the the most interesting thing I've done in the uh, uh, you know, I, I had mentioned uh, things unfold as they should is uh, I almost missed astronaut selection because at the time Canadian Special Operations were in, uh, were overseas. Yeah. Uh, and so I almost missed it. My trip got canceled or delayed. Yeah. So I was able to go on the first, uh, uh, first round of, uh, of, uh, of the uh, astronaut selection. Yeah. And then I went overseas for two weeks and then I came back for several days and went on the second round. So it lined up perfectly. It was a so I was, I was doing astronaut selection, and then I was overseas seeing uh, uh, battle wounds uh, in a in a in a theater of operations, and then right back to astronaut selection. So, so what do you mean? A surreal part of my life. When you mean traveling, you mean traveling. Like mm. when you met, you were traveling a lot. It has been yeah. It's been a yeah. wild ride. It's been a yeah, wild it's been years. intense. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you, Dr. Riddell. I really appreciate your time. And this conversation has been amazing. It's been an eye opener for me as a person who's been going through those same steps, like RC, RMC and all that, and wanting to go to the, through the ASNOC campaign at some point in my life. This has been a conversation I'll remember for a long time. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thanks, Hassan. I really so appreciate you. If I, ever, if I ever do become an astronaut, I hope to see you at the CSA. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. No problem. Instagram at stability podcast or our Twitter at stability underscore pod.